Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Filmed in Canada, a podcast about Canadian movies. I am Alexander Cairns, and on the other side of the room is... William Lee. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. I'm just getting over a cold or something, so uh, I, I may have to um, do some tweaking to my voice and editing later. Have you bought some, like, $1,000 plugins that I'm not aware of? Or? <laughs> To my ear, it seems like there's an extra layer of uh, a reverb in my voice. So no? I don't know if that's how cold works. <laughs> it's just what I hear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah no, oh no, I yeah, because you're 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 you feel your throat kind of vibrating more. But yeah, you sound fine. Oh yeah, if you say so. I guess we've had a, a few episodes up since we've actually recorded one, so it's feels like it's been a while. Yeah, we sometimes uh, record. Um, in advance, just because it, it seems like the right time to talk about it. But then we don't post them until until um, later on. Like for example, the one about um, our man in Tehran. Um, I had I had the bright idea to um, maybe have that ready in time for the Oscars. Yeah, but that didn't happen at all. So. No. Um, but Moonlight won. That was cool. Yes. So that was a, um, I don't remember if you predicted that or not, but you did say you liked it a lot. I, I wanted it to win. Yeah. yeah. I, I would have, I predicted La La Land just because that was, seemed mm-hmm. where the momentum was going. But anyway. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I was, I was happy that the window, the window horses episode posted somewhat recently just because I felt like I, I was a bit of a downer on the, on the last few before that. <laughs> and, but I really like window horses. So yeah. that was good. Is that still showing as we're recording this? No, I, I think it only got like two weeks. Really? Oh, that's, yeah. that's unfortunate. But that was, uh, I think that was Canada only. So maybe it'll, and it'll be showing up in other countries. Yeah. Later. Yeah. I think Mongrel Media is, is doing a proper, a proper release down south, which would be good. I, yeah. Hopefully it gets some, some interest at the Oscars in, uh, 2018 yeah hopefully um and uh it does seem like the way to get a lot of alternative films these days is on demand um so even like i've noticed there's movies i miss when they come around the theaters here but they're available on demand um almost like in the days after so yeah i should um i should really take more advantage of that yeah i didn't uh i didn't get around to seeing window horses again after seeing it at the festival and then and then via screener after that but i had intended to just because i wanted to to show my girlfriend but we did get out to see space jam on the weekend oh nice at cineplex that was awesome still just as good as when i was what six years old when that came out (laughs) yeah you seen space jam i've seen space jam but that back in um yeah whenever on you know i might have actually um i might have rented that on laserdisc there you go wow laserdisc (laughs) quality cinema yeah um speaking of formats did like when they have when the when the big chain theaters have these older movies do you can you tell if it's if it's from like a new dcp source or is it just off of a dvd yeah it could have been blu-ray but it looked it looked decent enough Mm -hmm. yeah okay yeah i it, it didn't seem like it was any sort of new restoration it didn't look crystal clear or anything but yeah well, I'm glad you caught that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, I, 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 I'd say out of anything, the Porky Pig jokes are the best. Because <laughs> he, he, like, he stammers, but then when he gets the words out, he says something completely different. Yeah. So he'll, so he'll be like, someone asks him at what the time is at one point, and he's like, it's uh, qu- quarter past, qu- qu- it's 7.15. <laughs> like, yeah. Thanks, Porky Pig. Um, yeah, I was having a hard time actually remembering all the Looney Tunes characters, like the names, mm-hmm. just because there's so many characters and I haven't seen those cartoons in the longest time. But were you um, were you a fan of Tiny Toon Adventures or Animaniacs when those came out? Don't think I watched Animaniacs, but I did watch Tiny Toon Adventures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, just a digression. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, Space Jam is not a Canadian movie. I lo- it actually looked like parts of it might have been filmed in Vancouver, but I think I looked it up and it was all in Northern California. Because oh, okay. he's on a he's on a golf course at one point, and the mm. and the the shrubbery and the and the trees look to be sort of Pacific Northwestish. But uh, anyway, that's not a Canadian movie. But we are here to talk about a Canadian movie, and in this particular episode, we are discussing stories we tell by Sarah, directed by Sarah Pauly, written and directed by Sarah Pauly, and also starring Sarah Pauly, and probably cast by Sarah Pauly. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, documentary so that, she made in what 2012 about uh, I guess 
her specifically her family history, but then also generally just about how how narratives get constructed within mm-hmm. within family units and how it can be difficult to parse out what the truth is, I yeah. guess. Now you've um you've said it's a documentary and you've hinted it's about family history. Mm-hmm. Um you've seen it a couple times, right? Yes. Okay. I'm just curious, when you first saw it, did you know what it was about? I did. Okay. Yeah, I so I saw it I don't know if it actually got a theatrical release at the time, but anyway, I saw it. It would have been like Christmas of I guess 2012. Mm-hmm. So, but I don't know that it was. Dece- it must have been December of 2012, yeah, because I believe it it already had some attention down in the states that it had ha- had a limited release down there. So it must have had a release in Canada as well. But anyway, I saw it on a plane coming back from visiting family over Christmas in 2012. So yeah, it would have been December of 2012, and I did know what it was about at the time because I had read some interviews with her and stuff like that. Hmm. Okay. All right. Um, the first time I saw it, I, I knew vaguely it was about her researching her family history. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, kind of in the first 10 minutes or so of it, I kind of lost, um, um, like I, I kind of just let it wash over me in terms of where it was going. And it seemed to be not really about anything. Um, it, it was almost like, it was almost like she's trying to find out about. Um, she was just asking people what they remember of her mother and how she, Sir Polly, how she was um, came to be. That, mm-hmm. It seemed to be like this exploration of like how she was born. Yeah. Um, and so when the rest of her family history is revealed later in the movie, I was actually quite surprised and I was okay. quite, um, um, well, I guess shocked a little bit, shocked about um, what she discovered and quite. And quite how f- how uh, frankly everybody talked about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so on a, on this um, on this rewatching, I guess I I couldn't not know that yeah that, that that's where it was headed. Um, but I still thought it was very kind of sly in the way that it's constructed. Um, so that even if you like whether you knew where it was headed in the end or not, I still I still think it kind of um, unfolds in a way that. Um, doesn't uh, doesn't really show its hand too early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think just the way that you're describing that and kind of skirting around what the what the crux of the movie is about, it's it kind of comes back to that whole debate of you know spoilers and what should you know before going into a movie and what shouldn't you know. And I feel like if the if the movie or the documentary is true to the story that it is trying to tell. Uh, it doesn't really matter how much you know about it because ultimately the enjoyment you get of, you get out of it is how the story is told, not the actual story itself. It's kind of like when I was 10 years old or, or whenever I first saw The Usual Suspects, that was like a mind-blowing movie, right? Because it has this shocking twist at the end of the movie. But it's not something that I necessarily feel compelled to, to revisit all that regularly. No, because I think... I think without the surprise in that movie uh, specifically, The Usual Suspects, um, without the surprise, I think there's nothing that really gives it a lot of character. Yeah. yeah. Except for Benicio del Toro. <laughs> okay. He's right. pretty entertaining right. in that there's, movie. there's a lot of performances that are entertaining in it. Yeah. yeah. But I think, um, on like a, in terms on of. On a plot level. Yeah. The story, the, 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 the script, the story, whatever you want, however you want to like differentiate, um, how it, what gives it that, that thing that it does, I think is all about the surprise, that movie. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think stories we tell, it's not meant to be a surprise. It's just that it is uh, something that um, I think we are on a journey with the, um, with the filmmaker to, uh, to kind of discover what she discovers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's, it's, she's, she, Sarah Polly's actually, it seems like she's doing a recreation of that search because she's, uh, she's got people who are reflecting on it, um, after everything is out in the open. And, yeah. and she has her father sort of reading an, um, reading narration that is very, uh, very knowing about what's happened as well. So it's not, it's not meant to be a surprise, I think. It's just, yeah. it's meant to be a, a reflection on, on something that she has discovered. Yeah. I think, 
near the end of the movie, there is another aspect of the filmmaking that does come as a surprise, even if you know the story. And so maybe we can get to that later. But um, yeah, I think I think the the family history aspect of it. I mean, she was very upfront about describing what that was in interviews and and whatnot. So it wasn't as if she was hiding that so that you would discover it in the movie. Yeah, so I think. Mm-hmm. For the purposes of our, of our discussion, it's probably good that we establish what that is in, in the sense that I guess she was not raised by her biological father, that her mother had an affair with a gentleman in Montreal that she used to act with, and um, her mother sort of kept this as a secret for for uh, her whole life, essentially, and, yeah, then, yeah. And, then, and then died relatively young of cancer. Right. Yeah. It, it seemed to be like... Um not an open secret, but there was seem to be open suspicions about it, yeah. uh, about her, um, about who her father was, and uh, and that it seemed to be something that was nagging at her over the years. And it wasn't until after her mother, um, Diane Polly, um, who was uh, an actress and, and worked in, in the casting uh, business in Canadian entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, so after she died in 1990, um, Sarah Polly started to. Um, question members of her extended family and and friends of the family um, to to get more answers and uh, and it, in doing that she discovers um, who her father her who her uh, biological father is mm-hmm. um, and then and that's only like that's I think it occurs like just a little bit past the halfway mark in the movie because then because yeah. it it explores a lot more um, of the um, the the consequences of this discovery, um, which is which is also um, uh, what what makes this this documentary become more than just that that surprise element. Mm-hmm. I have to confess that I have not seen it in about a year. I didn't I didn't rewatch it for this episode. I just I find it to be uh, very emotionally taxing, and so I just wasn't sure that I should put myself through watching it in advance of talking about it because I almost might just like those emotions might spill over into our conversation, kind of like how they did in our discussion of window horses. <laughs> but, um, uh, so yeah, I, I, I made the executive decision to not do that. So, um, I guess in a way that is kind of indicative of what the movie is, right? Because it's, it's, it's kind of like your, your memories are always, you, you, or you have to hold on to your memories in order to, yeah, or no, you, sorry, you have to, you have to be constantly revisiting your memories in order to really have a grasp of what they are. I feel like that to me without, again, without having seen the movie recently, I feel like that's, that's just sort of a theme that resonates with me thinking back on it. And, um, Otherwise, otherwise, you know, other people in your life can sort of invade your memories and and create this other understanding of what of what reality is. It's it's kind of like I I guess I guess what I'm saying is not having seen the movie recently, I'm I'm struggling to piece together what it's about, which I feel like is what the movie's about. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, the movie also the movie is also a, about different people wanting to own the story or, or tell it from the way that they understand it. Mm-hmm. Like maybe when you, have, when you have a memory of something and you have an understanding of it, um, possibly there could be like a, a reluctance to, um, to re-examine those, uh, those details and, and maybe find that, you are, that it's time to have a different opinion. Mm-hmm. You know? um, well, the movie, is, is kind of set, it's almost like a book where it's, it's set down the way it's set down. Mm-hmm. So maybe it, it doesn't change that much, but then I, I think your personal, uh, your emotional reaction to something um, could be quite different, um, mm-hmm. a movie or a, or a book, uh, if you uh, revisit it later on. Yeah. yeah, I think one of the one of the more striking elements of the movie is is like you were saying, just how how open and frank the members of her family are with telling their version of the story. And yeah, um, it's kind of played for a joke near the beginning of the movie, if I recall, that each of the she she puts each of the family members, each of her siblings and her and her father and whoever in front of a camera and just says, "Okay, like tell me what happened." And they're like, "What? Well, what do you mean?" She's like, "Well, you know, just recount 
are life to me, mm-hmm. like from the start. Yeah. And and they're and they're all just kind of like, well, where, where do you know where do I start? What do what do you want me to focus on? And so uh, obviously she would direct the interview, quote unquote, from there. But um, yeah, I mean, there's 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 a lot of really revealing stuff in there, and um, you know, even even things that I'm that I'm sure uh, Miss or Mrs. Polly wasn't anticipating coming up in this documentary that's ostensibly about her and her mother, um, you know, having these revelations about her mother's past husband and how he was abusive toward their children. And uh, so it just, again, I feel like more so than it being about her experience of uncovering who her real father is, it's more about how the past shapes who we are and how, yeah, just how different perspectives on a situation can lead to, or how how you remember something just kind of creates who you are, I guess. I don't know. I'm having a hard time putting my thoughts together on this. And, and that probably is because I haven't watched the movie <laughs> recently enough. But um, So Sarah Polly is one of five um, siblings. Yeah. Right? Uh, however many of which are from a previous marriage. Yes. Two of them are from... Two of them are from her mother's first marriage. Yeah, um, I'm assuming because of the uh, the last names. When I when I look up the the individuals on IMDb, there's one brother and sister with uh, the last name uh, Bukan or Buchan, mm-hmm. and then there's two siblings with the last name Polly, um, or three, I guess if you count um, Sarah Polly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they're from Diane's first and second marriage, and also it looks like they all of the siblings. Um, and I guess their extended family and friends, they, they all work in the entertainment industry, which I guess is not a surprise. Yeah. But I, I, do you think that that lends to how they're um, at ease talking on camera? I mean, I, mean, I guess they, there's something because she's, they're, they're being interviewed by, uh, by Sarah Polly, who's a member of the family. Yeah. But just that they can also like, just air out their dirty laundry uh, mm-hmm. to a camera. Is it because they're used to performing? Because do you think, like, do you think you would be able to uh, talk about your family history if someone turned on a camera and, and said, "Go for it." Um, I guess it would be. It would depend on my motivation. Like, I wouldn't just arbitrarily do it, but if it was within the context of, um, I don't. I don't know if I would. I guess, yeah, I would really need to feel the motivation for doing it. Yeah, I don't know. Well, how about you? Oh, I don't think I don't think I can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, uh, it's not easy for me to, to um, you know, tap into those private feelings, especially, um, I, and I guess when it, when it comes to family, um, I, I struggle with, like, how much of that is stuff that you keep in confidence for your family. Mm-hmm. So I guess I would, I would probably find myself very, um, um, very closed off, very, um, you know, reluctant to, to really dig deep in mm-hmm. that situation. Yeah. Um, so it's it's set up as sort of four. I'm thinking four kind of structural elements to the movie that stick out to me: being her interviewing her family members, uh, her own voiceover, her father's voiceover, and uh, archival footage of the family. And I don't know. Do, do you would you say that there was there was anything stylistically that that kind of jumped out to you or did it just feel more or less like a like a standard documentary or you know was the editing or anything like that did that did did any of those elements stick out to you in any way it seemed to me like it was um trying to mimic the type of documentary that um that you might see um like created for the cbc where Mm -hmm. it's like a lot of archival footage and then people and talking heads over top of it Mm -hmm. um it seemed to it seemed to be wanting to um recreate that style um until at the end it seems to it it starts to break down because um it reveals that a lot of the uh old footage um is is recreated as -hmm. well so it's sort of um there's more you know it shows that there's a lot more staging going on than than just found footage yeah and i and that was the that was the sort of reveal or spoiler so to speak that i was thinking of Again, I don't. I don't really see that as a as a spoiler because I didn't even notice it the first time. I don't think 
Well, there's so much footage um, of Diane Pauly. Um, hmm. Now I have to rethink that. I wonder if the footage that see, I know I'm, I'm doubting whether the footage I saw of Diane Pauly was was real or if it was staged. I think it's all staged. Yeah. What about the performance, uh, the song performance that she does? Um, I don't recall that. What um, What is it? There's like a black. There's, I think it's black and white footage. She's just singing into a mic. Um, and it would have been around the time of that, of the play that she was on when she was having this affair, I guess. Yeah, it was. It was after the information about um, like her first marriage and the divorce and how that made the papers and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then. Uh, I forget what she was saying. Um, yeah. it, was, it was like a song where lyrics were like, uh, you know, woman gone bad, but she has to, you know, she has, she has to do that to pay the bills. Yeah. Or, and sorry, when I say I didn't notice it the first time, I guess what I mean is that when I was like watching the movie through from the beginning, I didn't pick up on the fact that it was staged. Mm-hmm. Whereas I've spoken to other people who, who said like, oh yeah, I immediately recognized that that footage was just a bit too perfect for home movie footage or whatever. Oh, Um, so that, that didn't register to me. So when it is revealed, I think, I think it's sort of revealed by you see another camera person and then you see them sort of pulling back the, this one of the sets or whatever, or you see the lighting or whatever it is. And, um, that was, um, it was, it was devastating to me Hmm. because, because it's, it's like, this person isn't alive anymore, so she's not able to tell her own story. Mm-hmm. And so you're only hearing it through these other people. And it's like, you know, like she's presented, she's kind of flighty. And, and you know, it, it, there's a certain picture that's painted of her that, that you know, she might not have been the best mother um, in some respects and in others it's a, you know she was very present and whatever but um i guess i guess the fact that even even those glimpses that we get of her weren't weren't real just it, it just it just it, it 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 invoked this deep sadness in me that that you know even like these people's best attempts of of trying to describe this person don't really accomplish all that much because she's not there to, to, to speak for herself. And then, and yet you would think, oh, well, at least if you can see her face and if you can, if you can see her move, that reveals something else, but then you don't even have that. And so she's just kind of lost. Like she, she, she doesn't. And, and I guess that's what I was, that's what I was getting at in terms of memories. Like you, it, you need to constantly be revisiting these memories so that you can hold on to it because otherwise, Otherwise, she just disappears. And how do you hold on to someone who who no longer exists? I guess. Um, it, it's almost like Diane becomes like a puppet, where you know everyone has has a chance to mani- manipulate the puppet to kind of say like this is what she really was like mm-hmm. in my mind, and so everyone uh, helps to form this picture of Diane. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess. It's only base. It's only people's memories of Diane. It's not. It's not. It's not the full form of Diane expressing that mm-hmm. that um, that spirit or that uh, that sense of herself. It's mm-hmm. it's other people's um, building her up to be like this. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think the movie does justice to telling Diane's story? Um. Um. And I. And I don't. I don't know that it needs to mm-hmm. do her justice. I guess. I think, I think that's sort of the, like that's part of the byproduct of of this um, documentary, though, um, where it's where it's Sarah Pauli's search. I think the the byproduct of this is that it let Diane's life story come out in a way that uh, that was unexpected. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I think a lot of like people are going to people describe her as a wife or people describe her as a lover or as a mother Mm -hmm. and then because all these things are put together and then it's and then a a performance is created out of it it sort of tells a story that would have not been told because it doesn't seem extraordinary enough by itself Mm -hmm. 
but suddenly when it's when it's uh, told in the light of this is someone who couldn't show all these sides to every person it suddenly becomes something more mm-hmm. uh, but and i think i think she also she elevates the movie to kind of a deeper thematic level by by framing it around how we tell stories and and so and so that's why i was kind of saying it doesn't it doesn't really matter if it if if the movie does diane justice because it's to me it's really more of an exploration of you know how how do these people that that aren't able to speak for themselves or or are dead or whatever how how do they get represented and how do they get remembered and um so you know she she might not be remembered the way that she thought she was but that's all that remains mm-hmm. and so the documentary almost has to be an incomplete picture of her um or or it almost has to not do her justice so to speak because otherwise if you come away from it thinking oh i know exactly who she was then it kind of contradicts what the movie's really about i guess okay because because the past and memories are always messy they're never clear cut and definite i mean they can, I, i guess they can be for an individual but if you if you survey everyone about their memories of of someone or something you're going to get different accounts it's kind of like uh, rashomon yes except that it's not um they're not so contradictory though the the pictures of diane yeah yeah but there but there's a spectrum mm. okay i th- an interesting thing about diane's story is i don't think she deliberately wanted to be an icon for uh women's struggle for um equality like she didn't i don't think she was uh i don't think she was trying to be politically active but it it turns out that just her living her life um says a lot about the struggle of women in uh at that time period from mm-hmm. uh, you know the 50s and 60s mm-hmm. yeah um like there's uh we, we learn interesting details like how her when her first marriage um fell apart it was it was like a messy divorce and she she didn't win custody of her children because she was portrayed as a woman who had abandoned abandoned her family because mm-hmm. she wanted a career and at, at that time did she have another lover i, I don't know don't remember. I can't remember yeah. but it was it actually made the papers as like this woman chose career over her family and mm-hmm. and that's why um the husband got custody so like very publicly there is the statement of how her her decision for her life is um is not acceptable. Um I don't but but I don't think we we don't hear anything more about her being like very vocally saying um I I assert myself in this manner. It's just that's just um happened to be the way that she lived her life. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I guess for me um I would I would easily say that this is one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. And I've I've seen it twice, I think, but I think I think the um, the subject matter just resonates so deeply with me that I'm not able to um, I'm not able to hold on to my impression of it or or what I uh, what I think about it, mm-hmm. um, and so it just it just kind of floats in the back of my mind. I th- like I I think about it quite frequently just. Like, oh, wow, stories you tell, it's a great movie. But I can't, I, I struggle to articulate why. And we were talking about um, the, like the memory of someone only existing in other people's accounts. And um, I, think, I think that's really, that's really what resonates with me the most because um, I, I, I actually I mentioned in in the previous episode of the window horses one that that I was estranged from from a, a family member for a long time in my life and I only knew this person through other people's descriptions and um, even even to this day 10 years after having a relationship with the person I I still find myself persuaded by those other people's descriptions 
as opposed to who I know the person to be and who, who I, who I've come to know over the past 10 years. And so even like this is, this is talking about something that's in the past and, and so, and about someone who's died. But even, even for someone in the present, it's still possible for all of these different versions of a person to exist and, um, to, to constantly be, uh, conflicted with them, I guess. Hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I guess for what it's, for what it's trying to do, I feel like it, I feel like it accomplishes what she set out to do, which was to sort of be in control of the telling of this story about, about uncovering who her father was, because I think the genesis of the movie was actually that she, um, she had a reporter approach her that said, I'm going to, I'm going to release this story. I heard about it. I'm going to, I'm going to write a, up an article about, about your, your family history. And she said, well, no, I, I want to be in control of this. I want to be able to tell it myself. But, um, I guess in doing that, she must have realized the, what a daunting task is to even just to tell this simple story. And so it becomes more about, like I said, that what, what these versions of the story are and, and, and how, um, narratives get created and, um, how they, how they ultimately get broken down by the truth. And prior to, um, to her wanting to make the movie, um, we also find out that her, um, like both her, biological father and and the and the man who raised her um that they've also um like taken to writing down their story like they also have um at least one of them had a book in progress right mm -hmm. so they had to they were also compelled to tell the story mm -hmm. um but she wanted it to be at that time she she thought it should be private and, and kept in the family mm -hmm. yeah um so there's um again there's that 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 question of like ownership of the story mm -hmm. but are they you know are they trying to is it their story that they're primarily owning or is it Diane's story Yeah And I know I've I've had a conversation with someone I'm struggling to remember who but but I remember her saying that she took issue with the movie specifically because it was everyone else telling this other person's story and and so fundamentally she just couldn't couldn't embrace the movie because because Diane isn't there to to tell her side of it mm -hmm. or or to or to take ownership of it herself right yeah right even um even up to the end um the the that that final um scene where uh, she interviews one of the <clears throat> one of the people from Diane's past um right up to then like there's still questions about uh, who Diane was, um, you know, she remains a bit of an enigma. Mm -hmm. um, but, but I mean, does it does it hurt her character though to have people try to piece together who she is, like to have her story told in this way, um, without her, um, without her hand in it? Um, I mean, is does is that an indignity to someone's past? Yeah, I I don't think so, but but not because you know, she's misrepresented or whatever, because we don't really know that. We don't know who Diane is. But I think because the, the, the focus of the movie is, is more about the storytelling aspect of it. And, and like you say, who, who owns the story? And, and like all of those questions, it's, it's, sort of, it's more raising these as questions and doing it in the context of, of telling this story about Diane. But um, it, has, it has a much broader focus and it's looking at it from a higher level, I think. Hmm. Okay. Do you recall when you watched it um, what your feelings were um, toward Michael Polly, um, Diane's husband, who uh, who turns out not to be the biological father of uh, Sarah. Uh, Sarah Polly? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I feel like he seems again. He's just he's very open to to having these conversations and and to he he doesn't seem to to resent. The fact that he's discovered this infidelity in 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 the past, or um, he you know he he generally seems to be just open to exploring the past, which which I think is commendable. Because mm. a lot of the interviewees um, they do comment about how 
it seemed to them like an unhappy marriage uh, mm. between uh, between Michael and Diane. Um, so Michael shows shows up in the film uh, from time to time as um, as a narrator. Um, he opens he essentially opens the movie um, with um, observations about uh, about the marriage that are at quite a distance from actually experiencing the marriage. If if that makes any sense, like mm-hmm. he's like he's commenting on his own marriage as if he was a writer. Yeah. Um, observing what's happened instead of just saying like I am in this in this um, situation, he's he's kind of uh, very coolly um, explaining this. Well, I think it's the, actually I think it actually might be stuff that that Sarah wrote and then and then he is narrating. Um, there was there was a credit at the end saying um, his narration was written by Michael. Oh, it was okay. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I wonder if it like I, I think some of them too were letters that yeah. um, that he that he wrote to. Uh, Sarah and she probably said, uh, "Let's repurpose this for the movie." But, yeah. um, but that he's that he's allowed to, he's allowed to have his own voice, but that it is so kind of cool in it in the way that it. Um, that's not fair to say that his uh, his attitude is cool, but certainly it is um, very self aware, mm-hmm. and um, so we don't hear him say he's hurt. Is I guess that's what I'm. That's what struck me is he doesn't he doesn't reveal that he was emotionally devastated by the news mm-hmm. he just he seems to um acknowledge it and and process it in a very calm manner as though it makes sense that she had this other life mm-hmm. and um and that too is reflected in um in some of the um some of the daughters um uh, they recall feeling relieved that um, at the news that their that their mother found happiness somehow, uh, so that she she wasn't stuck in that um, in that role of a dutiful wife, mm-hmm. and they didn't have to just think of her as um, as the mother who who suffered for ages. Mm-hmm. Um, that she had a secret life was a relief to them, mm-hmm. and and I think that I think that is a very liberating typical or. I think it's kind of. I think it's. I, I think it's atypical for most people, most children, to experience that. Yeah. To discover that their that their mother uh, has a life beyond being their mother. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it is. Um, it's a liberating idea. To think that people aren't um, stuck in their in those prescribed roles. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. I think that I. I wish the movie had explored more was um in the aftermath of of um Sarah's discovery um one of the sisters comments that the three daughters got divorced mm. and i wish i wish that was explored more that knowing this fact about their mother kind of put them on a new direction for how they were going to lead their their lives yeah, and yeah. uh cuz we didn't hear anything about about the marriages that they were in including Sarah Polly um mm-hmm. who uh who ended her her first marriage um, in 2008. So uh, I'm trying to do some math. So three math or four years before the movie, or because um, so four years before the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I think uh, I would have. I, I wish I, I knew more about uh, that detail. But uh, you know, there's only so much you can fit into the movie. But yeah. maybe that was the thing that that the daughters weren't ready to get into on camera. Is yeah. is uh, what kind of what kind of relationships they had with men before this news and and after it? Yeah, and uh, to your back to your point of you know would you be able to just so casually talk about these things in front of a camera? Perhaps because the person's dead. It's it is. I, I don't know. I don't have this experience because I've, I haven't had anyone uh, that close to me pass away. But perhaps it's it's easier to talk about that person once they're gone. And and they're they're more they're able to be more open about that aspect of their past as opposed to uh, their other relationships. I think it's easier to talk about the good qualities you remember of people when they're gone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think the negative qualities suddenly um, don't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, are you saying that's your specific experience? Or yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, criticisms or uh, or grudges you held against people. I think um, 
they're uh, they kind of disappear because mm -hmm. uh, I, I think I think your brain makes a choice about what to latch onto. Mm -hmm. mm. What do you say? You got anything else? When we are introduced to all the interview subjects, um, I wish there was more detail in in who about who they were than just their first name because mm. I think it takes it takes time to um, to figure out um, who's a relation and who's a friend mm. um, and also like what that relationship is um, so uh, I don't know if that would have given away too much too early but I think I would I, I think I might have found it um, a helpful roadmap as we uh, as we met some as we meet so many people in uh, in the interview process yeah yeah so in terms of like how you're saying introducing the interview subjects and then revealing that the archival footage is staged and just the other elements of it, kind of like what we were talking about in our man in tehran how that movie opens with setting up the cameras and you and you see all the equipment and and the infrastructure of creating this documentary you see a lot of that in stories we tell as well you even see um you see Sarah giving direction to her father on how to, um, you know, or can you, can you do that line over or can you start from, start from here, go to the end kind of thing. And, um, she's sort of directing him on, on how to do the voiceover. Um, do you think that all of those elements are a vital element of the documentary or would you say that they're, I'm, I'm just thinking of what the counter argument might be that, you know, they're masking the, the lack of depth of the movie or something, you know, it, I'm just trying to think of what argument someone could have for, um, for not including those sort of meta elements of, of the documentary. I, I think it's, it's certainly, uh, an inseparable, <laughs> I think it, I, I think that characteristic is inseparable. <laughs> 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 I think it's a part of this movie for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. I, th I don't think you could separate that from uh, the way that she's made this movie because it is about that self exploration, and it's and I think it's an acknowledgement that the picture's incomplete. Yeah, that it's only it's only a fabrication. Yeah, because yeah. I think I, I think it's certainly an element of other documentaries that I do not like. That you know, they they reveal what's going on behind the camera. Almost just almost to say, you know, look at how hard it is to do this thing that we're doing. Hmm. Um, whereas I feel like in this movie, it it really resonates with the themes because it, like you're saying, it reflects the unfinished elements of it and the incompleteness of the story. But I also feel like it it represents the fragility of of trying to get into these 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 events of the past and. Um, how emotionally taxing that can be and and how um yeah just just how fragile you can become in that state mm -hmm. and revealing the seams of the of the construction of the film uh, elevate that yeah. i think it's used well in, in in this film yeah i i think i i can't say an example right now but I, I think i understand what you're saying like sometimes um in low budget movies they they kind of get meta as as just to to show this other dimension but for what effect right? mm -hmm. yeah so this is uh sarah Pauli's third movie and uh do you know if she's working on a fourth one currently i know that she's producing the adaptation of alias grace for netflix right oh, now she okay. wrote and produced it but is yeah. not directing yeah okay right um i was just i was just going to comment like uh these first three films uh, away from her i'm also forgetting the name <laughs> um um what's that throwing <laughs> Good God! It was our second episode. Well, the problem is the problem is it's kind of phonetically similar to stories we tell. Yeah. Away from her, stories we tell. Um, I can't believe that, man. <laughs> We've talked about it too. <clears throat> dance me, dance, <laughs> dance, not show me the dance. 
It's not Dance Me to My Song. It is Holy Waltz fuck. Me Way. Uh, take this waltz. Take, take this waltz. waltz. It, it's even a Leonard Cohen song. <laughs> what the uh, fuck is wrong with us? Right. Okay. We're just bad Canadians and bad podcasters, yeah. dude. Uh, okay. So what I was saying was um, these three movies, they are about women wanting to be more than at first what they're, they seem prescribed to be doing. Yeah. Well, and also infidelity. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Um, so, seemed, sorry, how does that resonate in Away From Her? Which part? The women wanting to be more than they're prescribed to be. Or mm. Well, maybe that's not the best way to phrase it, but it, but it, it's, it's about a woman who starts a new life. Yeah, okay. Right? Yeah. Whether she's aware of it or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, it, and, it's, and it's the impact on her husband and family. Yeah. yeah. So it seems now clear that um, that Sarah Polly's history and her um, her questions about her mother um, certainly fueled this first uh, set of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wonder, uh, I wonder if that's something she'll continue to, to explore, or if or if she has gotten that out of her system. Yeah, I'm not. I've I've started reading Alias Grace, but haven't gotten that far through it. I know it's about a murder back in the 19th century, but mm. I don't know that there are any sort of uh, aspects of infidelity to the story. I don't mm. know. But, okay. Well, yeah. we'll see. But maybe, you know, she just has to do a uh, work for hire to, to make the, the next film. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, I think it is evidence that, um, that films that... Um, that work as art, um, they have to come from a personal place. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I, so, you know, to, to varying degrees, I think those, those three films um, say something personal from Sarah Pauli. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess, like, I guess we can say that, but, and, 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 and I guess maybe, yeah, I guess maybe stories we tell as evidence mm-hmm. of that personal aspect of things. But I feel like that gets thrown, thrown around a lot, that this is a very personal story, but you don't necessarily know the personal aspects of the director or the writers you don't past. I don't but I don't think they yeah I, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's often telegraphed to the audience right it's, so explicitly it, yeah yeah I think it's it just um, it's kind of it lives in the grain of, of the work right? you can feel it yeah yeah, yeah. Oh. I mean if you if we go back to um, something like the usual suspects um, I mean, you know, you, you watch that and it's, it's an exercise. It, it's not, it's not like, wow, I'm sure somebody, I'm sure Brian Singer was dying to tell a story about such and such. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't feel that way. It just feels like I bet he was dying to make a movie and show how clever he was. Yeah. Did Christopher McQuarrie direct Edge of Tomorrow? I think so. Or did he just write it? Um, now I'm not sure. I think he directed it. Mm-hmm. That's a good movie. Edge of Tomorrow? Yeah. Or lived I repeat? Are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It is good. We're talking about that movie that changed its title halfway through. It's a way better title, "Lived I Repeat." Yeah, or does it give away too much? No, it's like in the okay. setup of the movie. Anyway, uh, leaf ratings. We got. Oh, before we get there. Oh, okay. Um, um, so, um, just referring to our glossary of. Um, Canadian isms in movies. Mm -hmm. I have to rename that section because I don't think it makes sense. Just whatever, whatever we have it as. What makes it Canadian? Yeah, the what makes it Canadian section. Yeah, Uh, I feel like that's that should be the name of the section. Does that work for you? Yeah. Okay. Did you did you see anything? There, there, I finally contributed something to that part. (laughs) Um, Did you see anything uh, that you wanted to uh, reference? um, Either a new glossary entry or or something that we've already identified. Perhaps here's a thing, a Anglo-Franco relationship. Oh, do explain. Uh, well, what, what's his what's his name? Isn't he French? The the her biological father. Um, or he at least well, he lives in Montreal. He works in Montreal. Lives in Montreal. I guess maybe he didn't. Think, maybe he didn't have an accent. No, I, I think he's from Russian descent. Actually, yeah, I, I looked that up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. Or or yeah, I I don't know. That's kind of a stretch, but but just the aspect of Quebec kind of bleeding into the movie a bit because she went to Montreal to see the guy. Because that's where you, that's where you go to live another life is Montreal. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, there's um, like cultural icon name dropping. There's a lot of there's at least one or two quoting of Margaret Atwood. 
Okay. So, and I, I maybe that's just uh, Sarah Polly show, showing that she's um, uh, Canadian literate. Yeah. yeah. So, good for her. Yeah. Um, I'm still not sold on Margaret Atwood. No. No. Right. Anyway. Yeah, that was the the only kind of Montreal aspect of it. I guess we just haven't really seen that in other movies. I don't think. Other than my internship in Canada, I guess, was in Quebec. But that wasn't my... I feel like Montreal is a different thing. Because that, that... Yeah, so the father is an Anglophone, but he's living in Montreal. Okay. So that, I feel like that's a unique thing. Uniquely... Canadian. Canadian. Yeah. Uh, sure, let's go with that. I mean, the, the, but the, the, I guess the, the specific elements of that cultural experience are not expressed in the movie, so it doesn't qualify. <laughs> It all works. Yeah, it's fine. Um, you want to? Um, yeah, I've, I've I've completely lost track of prime numbers. I feel like that's been the case for a while. But uh, eighty-three. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a uh, seventy-nine out of eighty-three. Nice. Okay, I'll give it uh, seventy-five. Nice. Okay. You add that up, you get a hundred and eighty-four. Is that true? 154. Okay. Divide that and by 83, you get almost close two. to one. Close to two, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, two thumbs up. And those are significant numbers, indeed. Yeah. yeah. All right. We... Thanks, boss. Uh, you can find us on the internets at www.filmedincanada.net. You can email us at filmedincanada at gmail.com. Uh, probably best not to solicit us if you are a festival programmer or if you have your own independent film because we will probably just not have any interest. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that we have no interest. It's just we're not at this time. Yeah, it's just that we like to do our own thing. But but and 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 I say that. But you know, email us anyway because because it's always good to know what's going on out in the world of Canadian cinema, even if we mm. don't have an opportunity to uh, to discuss your work or whatever on our podcast. But um, we like movies. If you're a filmmaker, keep making movies. If you're not, and you're just listening. Leave us a review on iTunes. Five stars would be nice. And uh, that's it for now. Until next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>